breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with Tom Weish from the crew of Gemini crew with a K and in two E's, not in a row. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Just clarifying. Just want to clarify that. <sighs> so uh, there, there have been agreements presented to the crews from the city. These are not contracts per se. You said they're agreements. Is that correct? Now, yeah. uh, are, professional services. Are we happy? Are we holding hands? Are we now singing Kumbaya? Um, we're at a standstill with uh, the mayor's uh, presentation of his proposed contracts. Tom, if, if you had to pick out the three big sticking points between what the mayor's proposed and what your crew members want, this is not Tom's d- will, this is your crew. Um, what are the three big sticking points? The biggest sticking point was the start time. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest sticking point. We've done the start time at an earlier time in the early years for over a decade. And we've gradually been asked to give concessions to go backwards. Like the parades used to start at 6 p.m., is that correct? They did. And the floats are designed to be viewed at night with the the lights. They are. Right. So, But that's been gradually moved up during the day. That's been a concession primarily to to the police department as to saying it helps them with uh, people on the, on the ground, on the route, and um, how they want to police the parade. The mayor wants the parade over by 7 p.m. Um, is that a deal breaker for your crew? I don't know. There's other things that are in the way of that before that discussion really gets, gets around to it. We've been able to work inside the 7 p.m., but um, and we could even start a little bit later. Uh, there's ways of condensing the parades, probably for Centaur, and I can only speak for us. I know we could, mm-hmm. but uh, we weren't asked about any of this. We were just presented the proposed uh, agreement, and that's what we've got on the table. We, in turn, looked at the proposed agreement, and we sent him back what we thought worked better for the city and for the crews. Now, one of the things I noticed that they, they want um, is... Uh, tow trucks is every three floats. Is that correct? That's one of the one of the uh, ask by uh, the mayor's proposal. Uh, well, you're looking at lengthening the parade now. Well, it's not that so much. It's where you can get them all. But the biggest issue we had was we've already been running tow trucks in the parade. There's never been an issue with getting any floats off the route. We just we have set up the way to do that. I mean, if they want more tow trucks, it seems like you could go. Okay, we're going to position them every so much distance along the route. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we include happens, them into the parade yeah, and actually pull with them y'all. with it. Yeah, they right. roll with us. And mm-hmm. we've got tire trucks for flats and that cape comes along. We've been doing this process for years now, probably about a couple, well, for decades. We finally figured it out. Uh, none of us, we're all amazed at why more tow trucks seem to be requested. And that, Tom, you mentioned where you're going to get them all because these aren't regular tow trucks. These folks have to be able to tow a float. So they're, these are the big tow trucks. We don't have that many in our community, do we? I, I don't know. It, it, we have enough to do both parades at times. Uh, they love coming out for the advertising. We don't usually have any issues with getting more than enough. We mm-hmm. don't have that many breakdowns. 
Uh, over the years, we've had very few breakdowns. So you're talking about 30 years plus for both crews. Now, one of the points of contention for Centaur was moving the date with uh, because it was in conflict with the African-American parade. That that doesn't affect y'all per well, se, but it will in, did I see on your uh, proposal here, 2027 or 2027 something? actually gets shorter. We end up with uh, having uh, five weeks uh, to do the Mardi Gras season, uh, one week shorter than it is this year. Um, it's not just the parades that it affects. It affects all the other functions. There's 16 other crews in this area that we all are inter- intertwined with going to the balls and other parades. So there's a lot of activities that the inter- these crews have worked out the time frame. And when you start just changing parades and stacking them wherever you want to, it interferes with a lot of different things. There are Mardi Gras parades all over this state. And the crews have sent me lists of all the night parades around the state. There are most cities they're they're parading at night. There's 44 night parades in the state of Louisiana, mm-hmm. and this is in 14 municipalities. Shreveport's the only one that doesn't have a night parade beside Alexandria. And you think we could do it? We could find a way to do it at night. We did it for over a decade. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an issue then. Is that is it accurate to say that's why Bozier got out, though, because they didn't want it at night and they wanted an earlier time and, and it was not. Bozier got tired of doing the parades, what it amounted to. OK, that's it in a nutshell. All right. And you could you could go ask uh, Low Walker mm-hmm. and um, the police captain at the time was Halpin. Right. And you mm-hmm. could get a probably a better answer. Also, right now. It stays light until what? Eight, eight thirty at need mm-hmm. in February. What time does it get dark, though? It could still be dark. I mean, doesn't it get dark at some point at 5 o'clock? So won't some of the parades still be rolling after dark in February? If you roll up to 7 o'clock, part of it will be. Usually the floats at the tail end of the the Gemini Parade will roll and light it up down parts of Shreveport, Barksdale, and all the way down through East Kings. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, everybody kind of... I mean, I know that's not ideal, but... No, but there's different ways of shortening a parade up. Uh, We have options that we could have helped adjust with the city for these times that are shorthanded on the the security issues, Um, but weren't asked again. Give us some ideas. With well, you, to you, the easiest thing to do is to pull out all the specialty units and just and, and, and rather than uh, lengthen the parade with specialty units, which is what we like to do because it lets in a lot of different dance groups, mm-hmm. bands, like marching bands, things yeah, like all, that. All sure. what we call specialty sure. units, the non-Mardi Gras crew floats. Um, you just pull them out and say, we're sorry this year. It's something the city's asking us not to do, and it's going to help and shorten the parade route. Those are easy. Those are easy fixes, and you can almost probably, if you do it right, maybe a third of the parade pull out and shorten up immensely. Mm-hmm. So you could start this thing at three thirty, even four o'clock, and probably still finish by seven. And then you wouldn't even have the uh, parade stacked in Centaur's uh, time frame. You wouldn't have them stacked up on top of the Black History Month parade, which is happening, I think, at eleven in the morning. Can you stay with us? I want to talk, I sure. want to hone in on security and what the answer is with regard to that. And we want to talk about some of the other sticking points in the contract. Okay. 
Tom Weiss, crew of Gemini with Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM. Seven. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. We're in studio with uh, captain of Gemini, Tom Weish, crew of Gemini. Uh, Tom, one of the things in the agreement from the city was uh, shortening the distance between the floats, trying to, you know, make sure the parades end by 7 p.m. But you're saying this distance is way too close and this is dangerous. Yes, it is. It uh, our, our estimated best match is about 200 feet. That's the best guide. That doesn't uh, it doesn't let you run into the other float. When these floats stop, you typically don't stop them in a hurry. You don't slam on the brakes. You gradually bring them to a halt. If you don't, you're going to end up sending all the riders. Uh, they're going to go flying on the float. You're well, gonna, sure. They're going to get hurt. The mayor's proposal calls for 50 feet between floats. We don't know where that came from. We really don't. And, and then he wants to uh, put that as a uh, proposal on how to uh, find us if we don't follow through with that. And so somebody's going to go out and measure? Well, we don't know how they're going to measure. Maybe they get the Mardi Gras police out and go do it. I don't <laughs> know. But, uh, you know, that that's a joke. Right. It, it is, we just don't know how some of this stuff is going to be done. The mayor has repeatedly said this is, I don't, I, I'm, it's, I'm not against Mardi Gras. This is about security and our low man, our shortage of manpower. And we need 60 more officers to secure these parades and he's kind of put the onus on the crews to find the security but you told me something yesterday not just find security these have to be commissioned officers no they have to be post certified and that's in his it's in his documents that that's what they need to be so you can't just go hire a security firm or park rangers as the lieutenant governor said well if they're post certified you can you could okay that's going to be a little bit of a different animal right it seems like it is. This is something that kicked in in 2022. Mm-hmm. So this is not anything new to the law enforcement side. But is this something Mardi Gras crews have ever gotten involved in going and finding security for yourself? We haven't. The crew of Centaur and the crew of Gemini's have not uh, done that. Our agreement with the city was they would provide it. Mm-hmm. And by the way, being post-certified means it's the uh, police officer standards and training. And they have to be post-certified full-time officers Mm -hmm. to make arrests, to enforce the laws that are on the books. So Uh, that wouldn't be like a security company. Right. That that you hire to man the barricades or whatever. Like uh, a security guard may may have the authorization to carry a weapon, but he may not be post-certified. Mm-hmm. Is there another sticking point with regard to the performance bond the mayor has asked you guys to have? He's asked us originally to start out at $50,000. Uh, we've never been asked to do that before over the 30-some-odd years of both crews. And then he reduced it to 10000 the other day. But these are fines. That basically is what he's asking for. Uh, any of the fines that we've seen in other municipalities are handled by ordinances. So you would think that maybe the mayor would go to the city council and ask them to develop, you know, to vote on these ordinances that he's going to present to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a better way. Right now, there isn't, they're subjective. They're poorly defined or not defined well at all. And um, the mayor is the only appeal. There is no other appeal process. You also concerned that this is only a one-year agreement, correct? 
It is very concerning. It's a one-year agreement. Uh, speaking on Gemini's behalf, we do things on multi-year uh, efforts. We have multi-year contracts that we have signed, and they're very enforceable. Uh, we try to stay at least two to three years ahead of everything. Uh, by having one-year term, a year agreement, it just seems that uh, we're always going to be going through the same thing we're going through this year, and we're concerned that we don't want to keep doing that year after year. It also has a this this concerns me too, ninety-day termination clause. So the, the they could between now and then they could change their mind and no parades. Is that what I'm reading? That's what that's what is in the mayor's proposal. And it had been in the other one. I'll, I'll give credit to that. But it was a 10-year contract that we worked out with uh, Mayor Glover and all the rest of the mayors. And then Mayor Perkins actually extended the same, basically the same contract for two years. This year, we're trying to get a new contract uh, proposal with the mayor for the city. And we didn't, um, how to say it, um, want a a short term because of all of our different uh contracts that we set up long term um we'd like at least uh you know a couple of years maybe we could see four years as a mayor's term but we'd ask for nine we got 10 before with mm-hmm. with, with you know mayor glover so so yeah. there are you guys have you guys have sticking points per se uh with the existing agreement that was presented so what's next what is what is the next step in this process um you know a, as of today i know someone is in the process of trying to contact the mayor's office to see if we can't sit, from your crew well from both crews okay uh to come back and sit down and see if we can't start this process over uh, more of a, on a, a different set of terms where we can come together and work together on this. Uh, we were really left out of the whole process. Uh, we asked for six months. Uh, can we get involved? What are we going to do? When are we going to do it? And we heard nothing till August the 3rd. And then we were told, this is the way it is. Take it or leave it. And in the process, they still come back and made some changes they they over uh, they missed the family uh area had mm-hmm. excluded it and they said oops we've got to back up better take that in now the performance bond is down to 10 from 50 we still don't understand why there's a ten thousand dollar performance bond he there i'm sure there's a reason but it, whatever reason it is after all we put into this parade you know our combined budget is between the two crews is well over a million dollars mm. And you're asking us to put up a performance bond, yeah. So, which which are issues that could be meted out if there were a meeting? Just working together is the end result. It'll work all. It'll work for everybody. But we've got to come together and talk. Mm-hmm. Um, we had hoped that when we sent the contract over, we would get a "come see me." Hi, we, we saw you contract. You got mm-hmm. some ideas. We had some other ideas that actually helped with the safety of it. You know, we said let's add some relief drivers into the into the mix, whereas if the primary driver of the float uh, vehicle has to get out, he can actually have someone else come over. Now, in uh, the alcohol breathalyzer test, we want to do that at the end of the parade and the beginning, both places, because right now they do it about halfway through, 
And by doing it at both places and anywhere in between, we don't have to worry about, even when we go back to Festival Plaza and the centaur goes back to their den, that someone has been sipping um, down Shreveport, Barksdale, and the Duck Pond. Um, then we made another change in there. We wanted to go to cell phones and have the text capability for any type of changes. Mm-hmm. Well, lot, lots to still decide about this, Tom. Y'all, y'all keep us informed, we hope. And come back if there's any new developments. Will do. Thank you, Tom. Tom Weiss, crew of Gemini. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Downtown Director, uh, Downtown Development Authority Director Liz Swain addressed the Shreveport City Council work session yesterday about the noise ordinance. Uh, she's, she's waving some red flags. Hear what she had to say coming up. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Yesterday's Report City Council work session, people were uh, able to get up and address the council. Downtown Development Authority Director Liz Swain uh, recently took a, a survey residents in Shreveport about downtown and kind of had disturbing results. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's addressing the council about the noise ordinance. And here's what she had to say. I'm coming to you today for some help um, that is very desperately needed uh, downtown. Within the last couple of weeks, we paid for a survey and we've asked people throughout the area between about 19 and 100, male and female, And we tried to ask them an open-ended question because we want to know how better to talk to people about downtown. And the question was, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about downtown Shreveport? And it's not the beautiful historic buildings, and it's not the restaurants, and it's not the attractions, and the Strand Theater, and the Robinson Film Center, and the great buildings where you can have a job or go to an office, or the wonderful residential opportunities. It is crime. That is devastating. It is devastating. When we have incidents like we had this past weekend, it reinforces that perception. It just reinforces that perception that downtown is a place to fear. It doesn't matter when we try to tell people that, hey, most of the issues that we're having, that you're seeing on the media, that you're seeing in social media, are in one area late at night, Um, that doesn't resonate with people. They have a belief that it is happening all throughout downtown Shreveport. The issues in our club district, the issues that are happening late at night in a small area are creating problems for property owners, for developers, for businesses throughout our downtown that are being felt. Many of you, all of you, I believe, got an email this past Friday from the property manager of one of our newer apartment buildings downtown, 72 units, more than $10 million spent on that property. And what she said was telling. She said, we are home to quite a few owners and residents. She said, people have bailed out, have left because of the noise. People have... uh, broken their leases because when they moved in, they had no idea about the amount of noise and the amount of disruption that they they would have throughout the night on the weekends. We are losing money. 
other properties downtown are losing money. Businesses, there's no way really to quantify how many might not, how many might be choosing to go other places other than downtown or expand in places other than downtown or buy in places other than downtown because of the serious issue that we are having at present. Again, this is not just properties near the clubs. This is all of downtown. I ask that you seriously consider the noise ordinance, that you look at it, that you support it for the good of not only downtown, but for Shreveport as a whole, because this ordinance is not just about downtown. It is about our city as a whole. And she's not wrong. Mm -mm. You've got to have a vibrant downtown for a city to thrive. Now, also before the council yesterday, Tim Huck got up, who owns uh, the Sandbar and another bar downtown, and talked about, hey, it's the problem is Hayes on Texas, that the uh, rooftop DJ is playing the music so loud that hundreds and hundreds of people are gathering. He even went on to say that when the police showed up and blared all their sirens as loud as they could, the DJ turned up the music. Oh, you've got to be kidding. Um, but the owner of Hayes on Texas, Dr. Shalette Holden, came before the council and she said, "My the problem is not me. I'm When I'm at capacity, I turn people away. I can't make them go home. I can't. You can t- turn the music down. You could do that. You could make your DJ turn the music down. Um, but again, I'm sure people in the uh, the, the hotel, the, the very nice hotel mm-hmm. right behind your club, would appreciate not having music blasting at a hundred decibels. Right, and and that's what's going to come because the noise ordinance is now being discussed by the council and they could it looks like they're going to delay it today they're going to give her time to meet with the city attorney but she's going to have to abide by the noise ordinance there's just no way you can give rules for one club and not another and and not invite a lawsuit i mean it would just be absolutely opening a door for a massive lawsuit and and the city would lose no doubt Attorney General candidate Marty Maley going to be joining us after the news top of the hour Mike and McCarty what a now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to uh, divert a little bit here. Okay, please. <laughs> Just, did the, did you watch any games last night? No, I did not. I did not. I had a late class last night, and when I got home, I just had my supper and I crashed. I watched. I watched uh, some Joe Burrow. Oh, good. Bless his heart. He's struggling. They won though, didn't they? They 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 ended up winning, but I I I, I only lasted through the first half because you know we go to bed so mm-hmm. early. Um, they were having they were having a tough time. Right. They ended up pulling it out. Thank goodness because they were zero and two. Um. But uh, anyway, I just, yeah, mm. really pulling yeah. for, I, we, we consider him a, a home, you know, right. a homegrown local boy. He's not. He's from Ohio, uh, but yes. LSU legend. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, definitely. LSU loves him a ton. And so, yeah, I love to see him win. I was worried about his health, though. I'm like, oh. Yeah, it's... Signing a what two hundred seventy five million dollar contract? Yeah. Hello. Right. <laughs> um, let me see. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, Aaron, the quarterback, LSU. 
I just went Jane blank. Daniels. No, 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 no. That, that went to Oakland. Purple drink. Um, oh, I. Jamarcus Russell. Oh, okay. Hello. Yeah. Does the name Jamarcus <laughs> Russell mean anything yeah. to yeah. anybody? <laughs> Oh, Joe Burrow and Jamarcus Russell. No comparison. Well, I know. No comparison. Jamarcus got his payday and said, mm-hmm. okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love Joe. What are words on the menu for this weekend? We have Ole Miss for the Tigers, right? We have Ole Miss. Yep. Did Hold you say 5 p.m. kickoff? No, no F1 race. Yeah, 5 p.m. Central kickoff. Uh, that's I on know. the road. Ole Miss. At, at Ole Miss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, and I, I just, I just don't even want to watch the Saints anymore. I just don't even want to watch. Stop that! That's I don't not... want to watch. If number two is under center, I just, I'm not even going to turn it on. I'm sorry. You, you got Taysom Hill there. You know he'll be under center some. Not nearly enough, and, and it will be interesting though because they're playing Tampa Bay. So oh, it's a big game. That's a big so, rivalry. Who just lost last night to yeah, the Eagles. It's a big rivalry, no doubt about it. Mm. But, you know, that's not what everyone is talking about in the NFL. That's not the story. Okay. The story is... Uh, that we Taylor lost Sh- a 17 to nothing lead? No, it's Taylor Swift. Oh, and I saw the funniest, <laughs> the funniest video this morning, Aaron. A wife kind of set up a camera and her husband, who was in military uniform, mm-hmm. comes in the house and she goes, did you see this? Uh, uh, Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey. She's going to put him on the map. <laughs> Nobody knew who he was. And he, Aaron, the look of incredulation uh, on his face. What? Yeah. Yeah, his career's going to take off now. Oh, God. He goes, don't ever say that again to anybody. Anybody. She goes, what? He goes, all of it. All of it, exactly. Exactly. I think it was a setup. It was a joke, but it was so funny. Mm, Yeah, I know. Travis Kelsey needs Taylor Swift to help his career. I just hope he's not a song in a few months. When somebody posted, you know she's going to write a whole album about you in about a month. Oh, yeah, you better get ready for it. Brace for it, Travis. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Attorney General candidate, he's uh, uh, an attorney out of Baton Rouge. Marty Maley was in town. We're going to talk to him coming up uh, after the local news. Micah McCarty, 101.7 FM. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning. Uh, attorney from Baton Rouge, Attorney General candidate for the great state of Louisiana, Marty Maley, joining us. Marty, good morning, sir. Oh, good morning, y'all. How y'all doing today? Well, good. we are doing very well, thank you. Uh, for those who have never heard the name Marty Maley, tell us a little bit about who you are and why you're running for Attorney General. There's, there's no doubt about it. And look, and I was, I was just in your fine city uh, yesterday, had a fundraiser last night at Ernest, and got home about midnight. So if my voice is a little rough, it's, uh, it's because I only uh, running on fumes this morning. <laughs> so uh, yeah, my name is Marty Maley. I'm a, a conservative Republican candidate. Uh, there's, uh, there's three Republicans in our race and two Democrats, and, uh, and I'm one of the Republicans. I. Uh, my, I'm distinguished a little bit uh, from the other two because of my resume. I'm a 28-year career prosecutor and uh, handled some uh, 
being involved in and handled some very serious felony crimes, including murder. And got one guy on death row over there where he needs to be and uh, participated in a couple of serial killer cases. Did that for uh, for 17 years and then 11 years with Ricky Ward on the on his uh, felony docket. Got to run an early intervention program, which I'm really proud of. And you can go to my website and learn more about that, martymelly.com. Uh, vice president of the largest victims group in the state, crime fighters, and I've had my own law firm since 1991. Uh, successful civil law firm. So, Marty, you have on your you have on your website to ensure that violent and repeat offenders are given the maximum allowable sentence. Our yes, attorney, ma'am. our attorney general, really doesn't come to Caddo Parish District Court and make sure they get the 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 toughest sentences. How can you impact that as attorney general? Let me address that because, you know, the AG's office has lots and lots and lots of uh, uh, missions up there. It's a pretty broad uh, spectrum of things that the attorney general does. Uh, On the criminal stuff, uh, what we do is the DAs have uh, the complete authority of when, where, how, who to prosecute. That's under the Constitution, Article 1, Section 4. The AG under Article 1, Section 8 comes in when the DA recuses himself or a judge looks at the case and says, Mr. DA, you know, you're not best suited to do this. We're going to bring in the attorney general. So those are the two times that the AG comes in on uh, on criminal matters. When I step in as the prosecutor in Caddo Parish, uh, as the attorney general, I take on the role of the district attorney, and I have every authority that, that he has to do that. Now, and to answer your question more specifically, you know, we've got a crime problem in Louisiana. I mean, we're at the top of the list in several categories, murder being one of them. And look, and our DAs and sheriffs are doing everything they can with the resources they have. The problem is, is that we got a lot of repeat offenders. We got a lot of pressure on the system because recidivism is very, very high. And we need, we need to support our DAs and sheriffs. And the legislature needs to do that. Uh, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but about seven years ago, the legislature passed the Reinvestment Act and they were flushed out. Thousands of people across the state back on the street. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna invest in those folks and try to get them rehabilitated while they're in prison, we need to leave them where they are, and particularly the violent ones. And so that's my mission. Uh, there's going to be a conservative governor. I'm going to fit very well with him in that mission. And we're gonna if we got to go change the law, we're gonna change the law. We got to do what we got to do. We're talking with Marty Maley, Attorney General candidate from uh, Baton Rouge, Marty. Uh, you mentioned justice reinvestment. It was sold, the bill of goods was sold to us as only nonviolent criminals. But we know that's not the case. What's your position on justice reinvestment? I, I, think, I think it was a tragedy. I really do. There were about 2,300 violent criminals flushed out of uh, New Orleans, and, and they went everywhere. And, you know, a violent criminal, it's, it's, it's very difficult to rehabilitate a violent criminal. There's just something wrong with them. You know, they, they make that choice, they do what they do, and they harm people, you know, at every turn. So those about 15% of the people that are incarcerated are those violent criminals. The rest of them, there's, there's hope. There's hope for them to get back on track. And so we need to spend some resources on that group, and we need to make sure that the violent ones stay exactly where they are. I've seen this happen three times in my career uh, over 35 years. What's hap- What happens is that, you know, the, the, the people that run the prisons, they come to the DAs and the sheriffs and the legislature and they say, man, look, we're out of space. What are we going to do? And so the solution generally, three different times I've seen it happen, is that 
they reduce the criminal penalties and they flush out the people, put them on probation, put them on parole, change the rules. And then we, we have this problem and it's cycles. You know, so sooner or later, the citizens have to have to pony up and we got to have some more prison space. I don't know how much more prison space we need, but we need enough to make sure we keep the violent criminals where they belong. So On that, the, that's the general principle that we're dealing with. You say you, you will protect the rights of the unborn child. Do you support the law as it is on the books now in Louisiana against abortion? Uh, yes, I'm pro-life 100%, but let me be very, very clear. Whatever the legislature does with that and whatever the Louisiana Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court does to, to affect that, those rules, you know, I'm, I'm bound as, uh, as the state's attorney general, I'm bound to uh, enforce that and defend the Constitution and defend those statutes. So it's not my place to make policy on that. My personal view is I believe life begins at conception. That's my personal view. And I have a degree in zoology, a minor in chemistry, a master's in counseling and guidance, and a, a law degree. So I've got a lot of background, and I've studied this issue, and my faith tells me without fear of contradiction that life begins at conception. We're talking with uh, Marty Maley. Marty, it was uh, you were described to me as the only candidate that gives a damn about North Louisiana. Why do you think that is? <laughs> Man, I, I won't mention his name, but he's an assistant DA that told you that. That was funny. So uh, so the, the reason why I think that has become true is that, you know, the, the other candidates just haven't spent much time in North Louisiana. And, and I've spent a tremendous amount of time in North Louisiana from, from you know, the Texas state line all the way to the Mississippi state line. And, and, it, and, and it shows up. We've got a tremendous amount of support up there. And, and I've committed to have offices in northeast and northwest louisiana satellite offices so that after i'm elected it's not just a, a campaign exercise but it's a true commitment uh i went to northwestern my cousin's a da in natchitoches other cousins a judge and other cousins a bankruptcy lawyer so i've got roots in natchitoches for generations and uh, still have a, a house there and uh I, i'm gonna spend a portion of my time in north louisiana Marty Maley, Martin Maley, thank you so much for your time. Candidate for Attorney General, we appreciate you, sir. Yes, I appreciate it. And you can find me at uh, www.martymaley.com, M-A-R-T-Y-M-A-L-E-Y.com. And I'm going to give my cell phone number because I've given it to everybody, 50,000 cars I've passed out. It's 225-266-5959. If you have any issues or want to talk to me, 225-266-5959. Call me. Wow. Marty, thanks for your time this morning. Good luck to you, Thank sir. You. Thank you all. God bless y'all. Hey, he does. Thank you. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. I, I have to be careful. I don't get a nap during the day like <laughs> other people. I have to, or I'm ornery. And I, because I, I, you know, I have, I, I, I go and do other other work when I leave here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I missed this. I missed the work session. I didn't get to watch 
the work session I yesterday, and I really wish I would have gotten to see it. They, I, have, they have got to fix the sound system. It is atrocious. It's, it's, the whole Aaron, it, the whole clown show is embarrassing. It looks like we are in a town, a ten horse town. And They're swapping have, these microphones back and forth, passing them to one another. Call us. We have engineers that can help. The TV stations have engineers that can help. Somebody will come down there and help if you need it, if your people can't do it. I mean, reach out, for crying out loud. Do but they I, need an audio person on staff at the city? I'll, I'll apply for the job. I don't know. $120,000 a year. I'm just, but I want a $10,000 raise after I've been there six months. Something happened yesterday that is part of the inner innards of uh, government that i hate it is setting up your get your speakers pre-planning somebody pre-planning all the people who are going to come speak and they had person after persons trotted out to uh, rehash the Shenerica fleming's deal we support her how dare you do this to a black woman this is um Public lynching was was used. Those words were oh, used. Um, it went on and on and on. And then it was talked about Gary Brooks using the N-word uh, at a dinner with some other council members, as Miss Flemings had accused. Um, Mr. Jackson, the council member, Alan Jackson, this is where I'm, I'm torn. Because Alan Jackson said... Uh, he was there when the word was used. He didn't hear it. His wife did, and she left because she was offended. He then said, I've had a conversation with Mr. Brooks about that. I'm not going to re reveal what we discussed, but we've had a discussion about that. To which, this is where I don't understand it, and Reuben made the greatest point. I'll let him do it when I finish. Um, to which Mr. Brooks said, in the spirit of transparency, Mr. Jackson, you and I have never had a conversation about that. Wow. So who do you believe? So, so obviously somebody's lying, but I what I don't understand is what either had to gain from that lie if one of them is lying. If Alan Jackson one is of them lying. Is. Yeah, if Alan Jackson is lying and they didn't have a conversation, what does he gain from lying about right. it? Right. Right. If Gary Brooks is lying and that they did have a conversation about it, what does he gain from even speaking? What does he gain from yeah, even saying well, anything? It's very confusing. It really is. And it's and I scratch my head and I'm like, what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? And you're not they're not going to rehire Miss Flemings. That's not gonna happen. She is probably going to sue the city um and bring her allegations out, you know, for whether she thinks mm -hmm. she was sexually harassed or whatever. Um, I understand Mr. Brooks has hired an attorney. Um, maybe suing for defamation of character. There may, I mean, it's a cluster down there. And then you have James Green gaveling private citizens. Private citizens. John Settle is trying to say, I can't hear you because your microphones. And James Green is, is saying, we're going to have you thrown out of the meeting. And he said, I'm just trying to tell you I can't hear you. And, what, and wasn't point of order called? Yes, yes. It, you have a, here's here's the other one that kills me. You have a speaker get up and name council members by name and say you should be removed from office. And if they were saying that about James Green, he would have gaveled them and said, "Don't talk about individual council members. You're not allowed to do that." Which he has said before. He has said that over and over before. Right. He didn't gavel when they were talking bad about Gary Brooks or Grayson Butcher. Where was your gavel then?
Chairman Green. You don't allow people to address specific council members by name from that podium. I've seen you do it over and over again. But yesterday it was okay because it wasn't you. And, and it wasn't your buddies. And he dressed down a private citizen. Two of them. For Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, John, John Glover. John Glover and John Settle. And yeah. I... It's ridiculous. Again, not appropriate. Not appropriate. I just... I'm, I'm mystified. The citizens who elected you have a right to speak, mm-hmm. whether you agree with them or not. Right. And I had to text a couple of them yesterday to say, we can't hear you. No one can hear what you're saying. You might as well not talk because we can't hear you. Right. Fix the damn microphones. It's ridiculous. Everybody Micah. should have a microphone, a working microphone mm-hmm. on the horseshoe, not having to swap two microphones between yeah. all ca- all of the council members. Former councilman just texted me. This continues to hurt our city. Absolutely. Nothing but it's a embarrassing poop show. I won't say yeah. the word he texted me, but <laughs> says nothing but yeah, a poop show. I mean, show. with all this crap going on, like what what's being done for the city yeah with all this nonsense mm-hmm, yeah and again another whole work session right and, and what did they accomplish <laughs> what what work got done during the work session what a great question mikey poo <sighs> mm-hmm. thanks now i'm all pibbed i need some <laughs> crown royal 1017 fm 7 back with more of mike and mccarty on 1017 fm and 710 keel Hey, it's me, Ruben. <laughs> I just, we have uh, a special announcement yes, today. Yes, oh. I, I would like to uh, wish my mother, Mary Wright, a very, very happy birthday. So what very, you very ha- Yeah, let's oh, go ahead. All right. Happy, happy birthday to you, Mary. Happy birthday to you, Mary. Happy birthday, dear mama. Happy birthday to you. God, we suck. I'm so sorry. Wow, that was that was hideous. You have to get her a good present now because yeah, that sucks. I gotta, I gotta go find her something nice. <laughs> How old is she? Thirty nine now. Yeah, she's only a, she's three years older than me. Yeah. Good, very good. <laughs> a modern miracle of science. Oh Lord, uh, we we want to talk about that noise ordinance when we get back, okay? Because I want to delve. Though? Yeah, I want to delve into why it's needed, etc. Um, Liz Swain addressed the council too yesterday, and uh, we're gonna have to replay that at some point. Mm-hmm. Michael yeah. McCarty, one hundred one seven FM. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Okay, so mom was listening, and uh, despite our best efforts, she still thanked us very much. She <laughs> says, thank you all. <laughs> we, we apologize profusely. Yeah. I wasn't prepared. I didn't do my vocal warm-ups. Right, so me either. Yeah. yeah, that's my excuse, I, I, too. I didn't know this was coming. <sighs> Sucks so bad. Sucks so bad. <clears throat> Sorry. It's both of you have September birthdays. What is the sign for September? Virgo. Virgo. Yeah. Okay. Mine is. I think it changes at some point during. Does it? I don't know. I don't. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't keep up with that. <laughs> stuff. I don't either. Thank you. I couldn't tell you. That's funny. That's don't funny. Know. Um, that they have a big, big decision before the council right now on the noise ordinance. We've. I don't know if you've read the old one, but man, was it convoluted, and it was. You know, you it's couldn't so, understand yes. it. It was so onerous. I, what's that word? Bad. Odorous. Odorous. Yeah. Odorous. 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 Odorous.
and you couldn't it was almost unenforceable for police so they've really said we need to, we need a new noise ordinance so that we can have specific details on how loud you can be and they're going to have what they're calling NEOs noise enforcement officers who will be able to go to these clubs or to these establishments where there's loud music or loud noises and with a decibel meter and test and if you violate the the what's allowed you would be then cited and then after that you start to get fined and at, at some point you could then lose your liquor license um the what well, yeah they need to make it an escalating an, yes. an escalating penalty because otherwise it's gonna go oh mm-hmm. 50 dollars fine by fine right no problem now That's, put it I, in my advertising budget i say that uh they probably are going to delay it because the owner of Hayes on Texas got up yesterday, Dr. Shalette Holden, I believe, and she said, look, I have a meeting scheduled with the city attorney and with uh, some other folks to talk about the changes in the noise ordinance. So she wants time, it looks like, to review it and how it will impact her business before they vote on it. So I don't anticipate a vote today. I think they want to let her give her time to review it while you've got Tim Huck who's saying it's time to put it in place, the new one in place now. But I think they're going to delay it for two weeks and then take a vote on it. Um, there was discussion a couple of weeks ago about grandfathering somebody in, uh, but you can't. Mm-mm. You just couldn't Mm-mm. do that. You can't have rules for one and not a, not another. It wouldn't work. And But but the council member who said that said if they're abiding by the rules, uh, could they still have a rooftop You know, and, and all that if they're abiding by the rules? Well, what you'd have then is you'd have somebody who – Every Friday and Saturday night, you'd have to have the cops down there, and they'd have to stay there to make sure when they leave, you know, you don't turn the music back up. Um, th- that would be the issue. So, I, But we just had a mess downtown, and if you haven't seen it, keelnews.com, I got the stats for how many arrests were made this weekend and how many officers were involved in being down there, and there were a lot of people arrested, most of them for misdemeanors. There were some guns seized, and there were some felony arrests, and you can see all that at keelnews.com. But we've got a mess to deal with. We've we got to fix it. We've got to figure it out. we got a message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. You can message us through the Keel News app, which is free. Uh, she says, isn't, it, isn't 50 feet from the rooftop to the ground? Isn't that 50 feet? And if you can hear it on the ground, hasn't that 50 feet been exceeded? Mm. And as for hanging out on the sidewalk, tell me why there can't be a lord a loitering ordinance on city streets and sidewalks after a certain hour of the night. It it depends on which camp you're in. Some people want us to have like Bourbon Street, uh, Beale Street, and what is it in Austin? Sixth but then you Street. have to move it. You can't set it up. You can't set up a, a Bourbon Street type district on a state highway. Mm-hmm, right, that would be a, that would you be can't a problem. Let people walk through the street and walk in and block traffic. That's that area. Unfortunately, for the entertainment district, is not set up for a Bourbon Street type entertainment place. Mm, nope, it is not. It's a it's a Texas street. It's a busy street, and you can't shut it down. You can't have people walking out in no, the street and people coming down from the bridge. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just you. That's not feasible. You can't do that. So. Sure, we want entertainment downtown. We want people to have a good time. And I, and I do understand there are just a few bad apples 
that are spoiling the fun for everybody else. And I get that. And I get that the club is popular. People go there. They love it. And when she's at capacity, she closes the doors and she says, I'm at capacity. It's not her job to go clear the sidewalks. No. Now, she could do better at turning down the music. But the people that are in her club, they like it loud. They want to dance. That's what they like. Um, and so she's got a she's got a fine line to balance. If you turn the music down like this, are you going to have people in your club dancing? I mean, she's got to. But figure those that aren't out. in the club. I know, that, but they have people on the rooftop that want to hear the music. They want it loud. They want to dance. They want to have a good time. So she's got a fine line to walk to make her her customers happy. But yet, she's also got to play a role in your if you're too loud. You're causing a problem downtown, and that's where the, that's where they got to try to figure it out. It's a bit of a mess. We're going to talk governor's race and Mardi Gras coming up after the top of the hour. Dr. Jeffrey Sato joining us uh, after the local news. Mike and McCarty, 101.7. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. You know, we had... Remember Shreve Square? You bet. We had an entertainment district. Mm-hmm. People could walk around. Yep. I, you know. I, you had a comedy club. You had oh my a, gosh. all kinds. You had restaurants. Live music in every you bet. club. It, it was, was a great, great area. It was wonderful. Right. Uh, now there are only a few places down there. One of the owners from down there, in fact, went before the council, Chase Boydham, mm-hmm. yesterday, and he said, the lights are all out. You you come out of my my business and the lights down in the Red River District are out and there are homeless people sleeping everywhere. He said people are scared to come down there and he said and then the lights will come on during the day. It's like can somebody just fix the timers? It was it was sad. I to he was keep begging. He was begging for help. He was like, please, I'm hanging on as hard as I can and it's a struggle to stay there. I'm going to have to close in the next year to year and a half if somebody doesn't do something. And I, you know, I, I was thinking, bless your heart. I mean, thank you for staying. But then he showed them pictures. Mike, it looks like, it looks like a dark alleyway. Yeah. Who's going to walk to a business to go have a cocktail through a dark alleyway? Where where there there's trash, the lights are out. I mean, I, I I I was really sad for him. I thought, and he was doing all he could to beg for help. And they need to help him. They need to help those businesses. There, I remember Chelsea's was is what mm-hmm. Blind Tiger is now. Yep. And Blind Tiger's been there a long time. They have. But that's where the entertainment district should start and then go toward the river. That's not what the new rules say. I know what those rules say. The rules take this entertainment district all the way to market. All the way over Spring Street, and then keep going west over to Market. One more block, and then they go to Cross Bayou on the north, to the Red River that, on the east. Okay, it just doesn't and to make Lake sense Street, to me. all the way to Lake Street on the south. And the rules are going to be the noise rules are going to be a little different in that entertainment district. They get to be a little bit louder, but in that whole area, there's a lot of residential. You have a lot of. I was just about to say you've got residential in that area. You got hotels. Ho- Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the happy medium is, but and you've it's expanded not that entertainment district. And I do understand the owner of Hayes. You can't sure. say you're no longer in the entertainment district. 
I understand that. Absolutely. You know, she doesn't want to move her business. No, she's down, got a very successful business. But I wish she's, they could figure out how to revitalize that Red River district. Yes. And 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 maybe offer those folks space down there. Yeah. Hey, we 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 own it. The city owns it. Let's offer these folks space and let's say let's put Texas Hayes on Texas down there. Hayes on the district in the district. Spaghetti warehouse. Oh, so many great things down there. That whole building's gone by then. That was a beautiful spot to go out and party and have fun, and it's gone now. We just kind of let it go, and it's real sad. It's well, they say crime became an issue. Mm-hmm. Crime element moved in. It became an issue. It did become an issue, and then and then you had the Bozier Boardwalk open, so that changed things then too. Oh Lord, Doctor Jeffrey Sato from LSUS political science professor joining us after the local news. Micah McCarty. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Dr. Jeffrey Sato from LSUS. Good morning, Dr. Sato. Thank you for joining us. Sure. I I read your article about the uh, the governor's race and uh Senator Nelson dropping out. Uh and you say this could be good for Landry, even possibly winning without a runoff, but if Nelson's only polling the best he did was less than 2%. How does that help Landry? Yeah, well, really, it's a, a, a winning process. I mean, um, Nelson goes out and, and endorses Landry, and, and you're right, he's not going to get that many votes um, for that reason. And yeah, I, I still think, regardless, that, that you're much more likely to have a runoff than... than uh, uh, then, then someone went out right, that being Landry in, in the uh, in the general election. But you know, it, it does bring up the interesting question, or, or at least we can start talking about it, that, that this may be leading to something else. When you look at other uh, polling results, uh, Landry um, around 40% now, uh, and uh, some of the other things going on with the other candidates, um, you know, no real consolidation for the, behind any other uh, Republican the fact that when we look at undecideds in polling right now, we're, we're looking really more at people who are not going to vote uh, than than people that truly are undecided at this point. So, uh, you know, things are kind of trending that direction. I, I don't think it's it's going to happen, but uh, the the fact that um, that we're that there's even a possibility, a realistic possibility, um, is is interesting. Now you also said, uh, like uh, another candidate whose uh, uh, whose uh, campaign is in trouble is Sharon Hewitt. You, I think your article said she's running on fumes financially at this point. Do you see any other candidates possibly dropping out? Um, at this point, no, because uh, uh, you know, like, uh, Treasurer uh, John Schroeder, he still has a fair amount of money um, available to him. And he's been it for the long haul, so I just I don't see him um, uh, leaving at this point. Um, Hunter Lundy, um, he's uh, he's put in a ton of his own money, so uh, you might as well go all the way with that. And there's always this kind of um, I think really fantasy that somehow you know he's going to catch on because he's he's not a politician and um, he's. Uh, 
supposedly kind of plain speaking, plain talking, although uh, really it's more simplistic speaking and talking uh, when you look at them on the issues. Um, And, of course, uh, go ahead. Doc, I wanted to ask you about the folks that are undecided. It's a large percentage of people. What is what is going to be the moment when they decide? What are the things that are go- they're going to look at and go, okay, here's the here's my guy. What do you anticipate that will will do that for them? Yeah, I'm not sure it's that large. It's a 12 percent in a gray media poll, so uh, which is about you know, when we're looking at fewer than three weeks out. That's roughly what we would expect. Um, and that's why I say at this point, uh, a good chunk of those uh, people are, are not going to vote. They're just basically uh, telling the pollster um, you know, kind of what the, what they think the pollster wants to hear. They're going to vote for somebody. But uh, at this point, they don't vote. They, they, they would have already made their decision. Um, you know, right now, a lot of campaign communication, things have really evolved in the last couple of decades. Um, a lot of it comes now directly from the candidates. You know, not, if, if it's not in the, the form of uh, uh, something like uh, email messages or, or uh, telephone calls, which are more traditional, let's say, now it's text messaging you know, communications that way. And so, you know, that's something that, you know, has, uh, is driving people to decide a little earlier, you know, instead of waiting upon a chance encounter, let's say, on TV with a TV ad, this direct communication has people deciding. Uh, earlier and earlier, and um, you know, right now you're you're you know really you're, there's no defining issue out there really that's going to change a lot of minds right now. So uh, it, it, I, I don't know that there is anything out there that that's going to do that. It's it's just um, the the constant the drumbeat over months and months of campaigning from uh, each of these candidates, and of course the one that's that has the most money and has been doing and has had the most activity Landry being the most advantaged by this blocking in voters. So that's what they've been doing. And so I, again, I don't think there's, there's much in the way that's going to change that dynamic unless, you know, it's like, um, live boy or, or dead girl. Mm, you, yeah. yeah, that's, that's scary. <laughs> right. Uh, you, you say, you know, you say we're three weeks away, uh, roughly, uh, any bombshells do you expect? Any, any possible surprises? Um, no, I mean, I think the, the strategy that most of the field is working on, uh, with uh, with one obvious exception, is um, the kind of guilt by association tactic with, with uh, uh, Attorney General Jeff Landry. Uh, so they bring up, or, you know, one candidate brings up, uh, well, you know, one of his donors um, is being punished by the courts and the Department of Insurance for um, questionable activities. Um, you know, and then, uh, another, um, you know, comes up with, uh, well, a bunch of trial lawyers are giving him, uh, money. So therefore, uh, he must be a tool of trial lawyers and, and so on and so forth like that. Trying to create this impression that there's yeah, they're trying that with Waggis back as well with his association with Jindal. Um, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't suppose that's as bad in the mind of a lot of people as opposed to say, you know, you've got, uh, all these. Uh, dashingly trial lawyers and and you know one of them who may be a crook out there uh, donating to Landry, uh, but yeah you know that's been some of them have, tr- have tried that as well. Although um, you know to some people that wouldn't be such a bad thing uh, being associated with Jindal, but to others may- maybe it is. But yeah, again, this is all kind of weak. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 
you know, these are these aren't real issues. Let's put it that way. I mean, it, you know, in terms of substantive issues dealing with what's going on in Louisiana. So, for example, you know, insurance and that's kind of clever. That's being tr- um, tied back to land or even you know, insurance and the economy and you know, things like that. Um, yeah, you, you you don't hear much in depth about that at this point. It's mainly uh, kind of this um, um, rumor mongering, scandal mongering kind of. Um, tactics being employed. Sean Wilson's uh, campaign, um, uh, four-cylinder hoopty car or 12-cylinder luxury <laughs> car today? Um, well, um, um, yeah, more like a, a Yugo, maybe. I don't know if people remember that. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's just... Uh, uh, it, 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 it's He's just not a great candidate uh, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, um, you know, he's won, run one contest in his life at the local level, be lost. Um, he's uh, been a uh, career uh, bureaucrat, 18 years at the Department of uh, Transportation and Development. Um, you know, the Republican uh, Governor Association has been running ads against them, which are, are pretty um, are pretty good. Uh, they're uh, they, they're basically giving him no quarter. Uh, so, you know, it, it really shows in the polls because if you are a, a, uh, a Democrat and you've basically got the entire party lined up behind you, and, you know, really any uh, important interest group, um, at this point in Louisiana, you ought to be running at least 30-odd percent uh, in the polls. Uh, but uh, he's having trouble cracking 25%. So there's, there's a definite lack of enthusiasm, and I think it kind of does go back to the candidate. Talking with Dr. Jeffrey Sato. Doctor, uh, can you hold on with us through the break? We want to talk Mardi Gras coming up next. Sure. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Talking with Dr. Jeffrey Sadow, political science professor at LSUS, Micah McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Let's talk Mardi Gras. You wrote an article regarding Shreveport's Mardi Gras, essentially saying this is a mess, I guess is the best way to describe it. Um, and that, and then it's hurting Tom Arsenault. Um, describe how you see this. Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we have roughly six months uh, before the, the scheduled parade uh, next February, uh, you have the mayor coming out and saying, you know, we need to have these certain changes. And actually what uh, was has been reported, uh, that the, the various sticking points uh, are actually, I, I guess, much less dramatic than kind of what was originally proposed. So actually much earlier start time and some other uh, features uh, that didn't uh, make their way, I guess, into the, the final negotiations. But uh, you know, it, it seems like something, first of all, that, that should have been planned um, much farther in advance. I mean, the, the problems, you know, the, uh, the mayor, you know, talks about the, the incident about the, the teenager getting shot. I mean, that was, you, you knew that right after the parade. You knew that was, a, that was a potentially a problem going forward. So why not immediately begin to address it uh, instead of taking months to you know, work your way to it? Uh, so, yeah, again, the parade, you know, you need a lot of planning ahead for these things. And it makes it really difficult on the, the crews to to be able to 
to hold the, these parades if, if you know, these kind of have these short-term uh, uh, interruptions or, or, or issues being brought up about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, again, I find it interesting that the the tact that, that Arsenal has taken on this in terms of giving preference to the African-American uh, parade, which uh, traditionally has always been the first Saturday of, of the of the month, but you know that's something that every three years or so crops up. You're going to have that that uh, potential conflict, uh, and you know again, uh, you, you I'm, call I'm, it an unforced error by Arsenault. Yeah, um, mm-hmm, yeah, completely avoidable. Then, right? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, again, if you'd planned much farther ahead, start uh, negotiating on these issues, um, but um, you know also. Uh, at, at a certain point, it's uh, you, if you want to get rid of the crews, I mean, they're, they're, you can be very draconian in these kinds of restrictions, and you know some of these you know, are are tough to are, are going to make life tough on on the crews as they've existed. So, uh, do, and, you and think, do you still, think his, that's his ultimate goal is to get rid of the crews? Um, I don't know. Um, you know. Um, Fifteen odd years or so ago in, in Bossier City, uh, the city leaders kept saying, "Well, no, you know, we we don't, uh, you know, we're not trying to run the crews off or anything." Uh, but that's basically what ended up happening by uh, rules and regulations, and there are a number of people running around saying they really don't miss not having any parades in in Bossier. So, you know, I I, I don't know. Um, it uh, but uh, it it does seem to be uh, it does seem to be a uh, that would seem to be an outcome, a possible outcome, if it continues on this course. Your article goes on to say you get real political in this, and I'm going to quote you now. Chances sure. are, chances are, in 2026, one or more black Democrats without Tarver's baggage will contest for the more mayoralty, and likely one will end up end up in a runoff against Arsenault. Who would be expected to run for a final term? You think the Mardi Gras issue could be one of the big issues that could put Arsenault in jeopardy? Um, I'm, yeah, possibly. I, I, I'm kind of looking at it there more in terms of, uh, all right, well, you know, here you have a, a white Republican mayor who's going to have to get a, a decent portion of the black Democrat vote in order to stay in office. Uh, and you know, can't depend upon having a divisive, um, uh, controversial uh, politician to be running against in order to to grab that that portion of the vote. So you're going to need some other things, uh, and uh, favoring in a sense the African American parade uh, and and making the other uh, crews, you know, giving it preference and making the other crews having to adjust to its. Um, uh, its desires, you know, that's you know, that could be thought of as a way of trying to uh, attract those kinds of, of votes. Uh, the you know, African American Parade is a pretty organic organization among um, in Shreveport, uh, among in the Black community. Uh, a number of leaders are uh, participate in it, or uh, even are, have been behind organizing it in the past. And so, you know, that's uh, by giving. Uh, that favored status, that may be a way of currying favor among uh, those people who have some political clout. It maybe translate that into um, 
uh, votes come election day. So, so yeah, this, uh, you know, the, the thing that struck me is that, yeah, there could be a little um, electoral politics going on behind all of this. Ooh, wow. That's pretty stout. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Thanks for your time, sir. Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. Sure. Dr. Jeffrey Sato, LSUS political science professor, Micah McCarthy. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Well, I missed the work session from yesterday, City Council work session at 3. Did you watch it or did you go I, back and review No, I watched it, it later. I watched it later okay, and I... Right. Um, they a they have to fix the sound system it's absolutely horrendous and it's sad to see such a city the, the third largest city in the in the state with a sound system that atrocious and that they're passing microphones from each other so that you can hear and the audience in the room can't hear them well even the live stream they were what experimenting with some software that they didn't apparently have <laughs> the license to use because it it had the uh, the bookmark across the, I mean the uh, uh, watermark across the f- the if, entire screen. If I was a council member, I would insist that this be fixed. This be fixed immediately. That you know I mean, this is basics. embarrassing. These yeah. are basics. It's embarrassing to hand microphones off to each other. Give them give them you know clip on mics. Do whatever you have to do to figure out how how to. Do. We couldn't hear Tabitha Taylor the whole meeting. Just a heads up. Couldn't hear anything she said. And she had a lot of things to say. If you were watching it on TV or on the stream, you couldn't hear her at all. You could not hear her at all. And if I was her, I would be furious today. Like, what? fix this. This is ridiculous. People but, addressed the uh, the work session yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, got dressed down by the council chairman. Uh, just, we're going to hear one of those comments. Liz Swain, Downtown Development Authority Director, uh, she addressed the council yesterday, and uh, we'll hear from her next. Micah McCarty, 101. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Downtown Director uh, Development Authority Liz Swain addressed the city council yesterday during their work session. Uh, she cited a an opinion survey that the the DDA had done about downtown and people's thoughts with uh, that had some kind of disturbing results. And uh, here's what she had to say to the council yesterday. I'm coming to you today for some help um, that is very desperately needed uh, downtown. Within the last couple of weeks, we paid for a survey, and we've asked people throughout the area, between about 19 and 100, male and female, and we tried to ask them an open-ended question because we want to know how better to talk to people about downtown. And the question was, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about downtown Shreveport? And it's not the beautiful historic buildings, and it's not the restaurants, and it's not the attractions, and the Strand Theater, and the Robinson Film Center, and the great buildings where you can have a job or go to an office, or the wonderful residential opportunities. It is crime. That is devastating. It is devastating. When we have incidents like we had this past weekend, it reinforces that perception. It just reinforces that perception that downtown is a place to fear. 
It doesn't matter when we try to tell people that, hey, most of the issues that we're having, that you're seeing on the media, that you're seeing in social media are in one area late at night. Um, that doesn't resonate with people. They have a belief that it is happening all throughout downtown Shreveport. The issues in our club district, the issues that are happening late at night in a small area are creating problems for property owners, for developers, for businesses throughout our downtown that are being felt. Many of you, all of you, I believe, got an email this past Friday from the property manager of one of our newer apartment buildings downtown, 72 units, more than $10 million spent on that property. And what she said was telling. She said, we are home to quite a few owners and residents. She said people have bailed out, have left because of the noise. People have uh, broken their leases because when they moved in, they had no idea about the amount of noise and the amount of disruption that they, they would have throughout the night on the weekends. We are losing money. Other properties downtown are losing money. Businesses, there's no way really to quantify how many might not how many might be choosing to go other places other than downtown or expand in places other than downtown or buy in places other than downtown because of the serious issue that we are having at present. Again, this is not just properties near the clubs. This is all of downtown. I ask that you seriously consider the noise ordinance, that you look at it, that you support it for the good of not only downtown, but for Shreveport as a whole, because this ordinance is not just about downtown. It is about our city as a whole. And she's absolutely mm. right. Yeah, yeah. Without a vibrant downtown, a city will not thrive. So it's the heart of your community. It, it really is. And people need to be excited to go downtown. We have a lot of things downtown that are amazing. And we gotta we got to protect that. And you can't have... One bad apple spoiling it for the whole community. And when you look at the, the, the you know, uh, Art Walk and the events that are going on downtown and the revitalization of open areas and, you know, Festival Plaza. I mean, Liz is is trying to shovel snow with a spoon in a blizzard. Right. You're, you're absolutely right. I anticipate they're going to delay the vote today on the noise ordinance because the owner of... Uh, Hayes on Texas has scheduled a meeting with the city attorney, I believe, to go over the noise ordinance and how it will impact her. Um, and so I think the council will give two weeks to kind of let that meeting happen. And I think the other club owners may also want to study it a little more to find out what impact it will have on them. And we'll find out, will these rooftop, outdoor rooftop events be allowed anymore? Will they be able to blare their music anymore under the new ordinance? There's a there's a DB limit on it, and there are fines, and and liquor licenses could be in jeopardy if you continue to violate it. So we'll watch and see. As they should be. Mm -hmm. Shreveport Police Chief Wayne Smith is going to join us tomorrow talking about the, the noise ordinance as well. 101.7 FM. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. I just want Jesus to come back. Just come on. <laughs> Are you just, ready? Just come on. I'm not ready yet. I, I, <laughs> well, I need then we'll to talk. A, we'll talk when we get off the air. I need to atone a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I need some time. <laughs>
I, I saw something interesting that I um, I'm just completely bombing you with this. I have not pre-warned you. About no, this, I don't so know what's coming. Heads up. Always um, scares me. Our friend Ted Cox, who used to be uh, at the juvenile court, the juvenile mm-hmm. court administrator, from '97 to 2022, he posted this message: "Quote." If you don't think we need a millage increase for the juvenile court, pick up the newspaper and read about juveniles committing crimes. Right. I remember um, at the at the juvenile crime forum at mm-hmm. the Y several months ago. Yep. Uh, Shreveport Police Chief Wayne Smith said, "It is it is disturbing the increase of crime committed by juveniles, mm-hmm. violent okay. crime." It is hugely necessary that we have more juvenile beds to lock these violent criminals up because now 17-year-olds, as you've heard the sheriff say, they're now, they now go to juvenile. But the millage, the Caddo Parish criminal justice millage is uh, $5 million a year. It's so broad. It's got all oh, kinds of stuff in it. It's absurd. And Mike, you know, I've invited uh, the parish administrator, Erica Bryant, to come on and let's explain. Let's tell us legitimately on the air how many more beds, how many more juvenile beds. Be specific. Let us know. And this isn't, and I know, I know it doesn't have to be in the language, but tell me today how many additional beds. I think we have 24 now. What? is your goal for how many new beds i have not heard anyone say that if they have i haven't heard it and it's not in the proposition for the millage it has vague wording uh maintaining public safety supporting costs for community mental health programs needed Mm -hmm. workforce development programs yes needed neighborhood development programs litter and blight abatement yes that's needed but does that need to be in the criminal justice proposal no you know i I will sit on this radio station and tell you i'm voting yes 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 for this if someone comes on the record and tells me how many beds how many additional beds are you promising Mm -hmm. to put at the juvenile detention facility um and then uh, will there be more beds after that as the need grows will you continue to use part of that money to increase the beds. If no one will come on this radio station and tell me how many additional beds, I'm a no. Because that is our need, more beds, period. Well, and Sheriff Prater said, you know, he's he's having to house juveniles at CCC mm-hmm. at the cost of Caddo Parish taxpayers where that he that's taking up beds for criminals. Yes, absolutely. And I I I challenge anyone with the Caddo Commission to come here and give me a figure. How many more beds will this fund? From jump. We got to move on that quickly. That's got to be a top priority. It can't wait until the third year give or the 10th specifics. year. Give me some details. And then I will preach for a yes vote on this till hell freezes over. But if you don't tell me how many more beds, I'm a no. And I'm going to encourage everybody I know to vote no until you do it right. Even even though you have neighborhood development programs in this proposition mm-hmm. and litter and blight abatement yep. in the criminal justice proposition. Yep. I need new beds. Yeah. I need to know. Give us specifics. Yep. I need deets. Uh, Wayne Smith joining us tomorrow uh, talking about the noise ordinance downtown Shreveport. Mike and McCarty, 103.7.